This is an announcement. The following transmission may contain mature content and language. The information provided within, while researched, is from non-experts. Listener discretion is advised. Well, just what is your business? Monsters. Monsters? like to play a game all you monsters out there <sighs> i was just like waiting for the sigh <laughs> at this point <laughs> but anywho welcome to the outer limits the show dedicated ish to weird true crime and paranormal occurrences wow i had to do it i know this I, entire episode is about paranormal games i had to just you know slide in a little bit of the creepy ass puppet <laughs> Uh, I just, I have such a problem with those movies. Oh yeah, 100%. There's a reason why I don't really watch them. <laughs> I think I watched part of the first one. <laughs> That's about it. See, my problem with Saw is not the gore aspect or any of that. It's the puzzles. They're stupid. Granted, the puzzles in like the cube are way better. It's just, I look at that and go with any small amount of knowledge of how gears work. Three quarters of those puzzles could be broken to pieces. <laughs> Stick something in between the gears. Be like, all right, cool. Exactly. Like <laughs> the one that really like just turned me off altogether was there's one puzzle where like the girl's hair is getting like pulled and it scalps her. I, I, I guess is how it ends up. But it pissed me off so much. I'm like, oh, my God. Stick your finger in the gear. Done. Like it's exposed gears. You can get to them. Just boop. You're done. I don't know. I feel like that's me in most horror movies where I'm just kind of like dissecting what they totally could have done. Well, and like the problem for me is that Saw is set up as a basically puzzle survivor game. Yeah, well, it's an escape room. It's essentially exactly what it is. It's an escape room with deadly consequences. So it just ups the ante. Yeah. And I'm saying like escape, like, look, just do, do this. Done. Do that. You're saved. And then. I'm sorry, but the hacksaw and the leg was just like, come on, dude. You have a <laughs> bloody fucking hacksaw. Use it on the metal. <laughs> Instead of your flesh. <laughs> Instead of your goddamn leg. <laughs> uh, that was the first one. Yeah, anyway, I'm getting off on a tangent. So, yeah. Yeah, we're starting off strong on this one. <laughs> Woo, uh, so, all you monsters out there. Yeah, thanks for joining in. <laughs> This is our 18th episode. Holy crap, 18 episodes. Yeah. And we've called this one. You think this is a game? Yeah. Which is all <laughs> about paranormal games. Yes. I'm excited about this one. I've been wanting to do this one for a little while now. Just because there are some crazy ass games out there that have to do with paranormal this and that. Obviously, large majority, total bullshit. But... Still, super interesting, especially when you start looking into how those games came about, like where exactly on the interwebs they started. Really cool stuff. Yeah, there's that. And I know you've also, you've been wanting to do this episode 
since before we even started. Yeah, just mostly because I I listened to an episode of Scaryish podcast, which, by the way, if you guys haven't listened to Scaryish, you really should. It's super, super good. <laughs> They have done a couple episodes, I think, on crazy paranormal games. And like those episodes by far are probably some of the most terrifying episodes I've ever listened to. Because there's some games that I had never heard of that I was like, why in the fuck would you ever try that? Yeah. Like it, regardless of whether or not you believe it could work or not, there's just no winning. It's like either it doesn't work and you're just like, well, I guess I just wasted several hours of my life. Or it does work, and then you're fucking stuck with whatever consequences came with playing the game. Yeah, pretty much. So, overall, really just you don't need to at all. Yeah, voluntarily putting yourself in a no-win situation. Why? I don't know. Would you like to read our disclaimer for this episode? Oh, yes, yes. I, I I will do this. So, before we go any further, this disclaimer has to be done. boop boop doo doo We cannot stress enough that we are not encouraging anyone to play these games. We strongly advise that you do not play under any circumstances. Our interest is entertainment and educational purposes only. If you choose to play, you do so at your own goddamn risk. And make sure to email us afterwards. Yes, please do. (laughs) (laughs) That's my great episode. It's like, please, dear God, don't ever try these. But if you do, record the entire thing and make sure and email us immediately after you do it. Yes. (laughs) Because I will be interested as fuck to know what happened. Yeah. But I'm not agreeing with the... Doing it in the first place. Thing. You know, so. no, we, w- we would <laughs> much rather have our listeners, uh, all you monsters, safe and not possessed or any number of horrible consequences that could happen from these games, you know, or dead. Dead's another thing that can happen. Plus, you know, if you get possessed or something, then we're going to start getting known on the underground circuit, like the really underground circuit. And nobody wants that. Yeah, no, (laughs) no. (laughs) We'll avoid that. (laughs) Yeah, let's let's avoid that. (laughs) Anywho, now that this disclaimer is done and all that jazz, do you want to kind of give us a little bit of background on paranormal games? Okay. yeah. So jumping into my space. But as usual, I'm going to be talking about two different games. One of them is known as the Midnight Game. And some, a lot of you are aware of this if you're tuning into this episode, I'm sure you are. And the one almost everybody on the planet knows, Bloody Mary. Woo, classic, classic game. Indeed. We're going to be talking about this, mind you. I have, I have a mirror behind me. Oh, yes, you do. I'm just saying. <laughs> well, as long as we don't say it 13 times in a row, I think we'll be all right. <laughs> I just want to point that out because that's what's holding up my little sound tent mm. So <laughs> for recording this podcast. So hopefully we don't incur or bring forth any creepiness yeah. from the mirror that lives in my bedroom when I sleep. Yeah, so. let, let's not. <laughs> All right, so starting out, I'm going to talk about the Midnight Game. Oh, just a quick side note. Sorry. You telling me about that thing where people hold a mirror up and back down the basement stairs and they'll see their lover's face in the mirror. Remember Uh that episode? 
I do. To this day, when I move this mirror into this room to start recording, I freak myself out thinking about that story. So thank you for that. You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, so the midnight game. So just a brief description for those of you who don't know. I'm not going to be telling you how to play this game because I do not advertise that playing this game. But essentially what you do is you go and you have a dark environment, namely your house or apartment or some other dark space. Then you attempt to keep away from the midnight man after inviting him into your place until the witching hour at 3.33 in the morning. That all around just sounds like a bad time. Yes, it does. Mm -hmm. I mean, why would you want to play this in your home? Like, why, why would you open up your home to something like that? <laughs> I, I get, you know, living on the edge, trying to get some good adrenaline going mm -hmm. off for it. I like doing things like the thought of going skydiving and rock jumping and all that jazz. But that to me is less scary than playing these games. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, it's also the concept of don't shit where you eat. It pretty much. Yeah. If you're going to do this, like find someplace else to do it. Like don't do it at your house. You live there. You have to sleep there later. Yeah, do it at that one friend you're trying to get rid of's house. You know, just like go through your friends list and be like, who do I know well enough that they'll let me do this at their house, but that I don't like enough to care that I did this at their house. <laughs> There's a sweet spot. <laughs> uh, we are not condoning this behavior at all. Cough, cough, cough. Purely for entertain do entertainment purposes only. Yes. <clears throat> anyway. So the midnight game. Well, I guess to expand on that, like we don't have to go into the, you know, what for of exactly all this craziness right, right. that goes into starting the actual game, the ritual, if you will. No, yeah, no. But I do know once you start playing the game, it's basically like hide and seek. More like keep away, but you're the thing that you're trying to keep away. Uh, not hide and seek, but more like tag. Tag. I think, yeah, that's actually a lot more accurate. It's what I was trying to remember. Yeah. Game wise. Yeah. But essentially, once the midnight man is in your home or whatever or wherever you are. Yes. Wherever you are, <laughs> you're supposed to try to make sure that you're always moving so that he can never catch you. Mm -hmm. And you have to try to do this all the way up until, like Ty said, 333 the next morning. Yeah. And basically, you have a candle. You light that candle before the game starts. When this game starts going. You have to keep moving throughout the space that you're in. So if you're in a house or in a building of any kind or whatever, you're supposed to keep walking throughout several rooms and trying to stay away. If you ever get to the point where you're starting to hear voices or anything, you're supposed to continue to move on to another room. Don't stop. Mm -hmm. Don't look around. Nothing like that. If your candle ever goes out, you are meant to relight said candle immediately. Yes. The reason why they say it goes out is because that's your warning that the midnight man is close and about to get you. Yes. So you need to basically drop everything, immediately relight that candle. If you can't immediately relight that candle within like the first, what is it, like 30 seconds, something like that. It's a really short amount of time. Yeah, it's something quick. Usually the rules dictate that you have like a thick, like a salt shaker with you or like a thing of salt in general. And you just have to make a salt circle around you. Stand within the circle. Do not leave any part of yourself out of that circle and wait there until the game is over. Yes. It means he's caught you and you're out of the game, essentially. Yes, exactly. But you don't want to get actually caught. Because <laughs> he will apparently kill you or drive you insane. Yeah, drive you insane with your worst nightmares. Yeah. Like torturous 
kind of stuff. You know, the usual that bad spirits do. Yeah, yeah pretty much. <laughs> it's their thing. It's their shtick. Yeah. <laughs> they like to torture. So that is essentially what happens during the game. So. Yes. That's a quick summarization because I have researched too much into these things, even though I never intend to play any of them. Yeah. Yeah, no. But you have an excuse. We have an excuse. We host a paranormal true crime podcast. You know, it's interesting. I just think it's interesting. It creeps me out. I don't mind being freaked out or creeped out. I just don't want to physically be the person getting freaked out with the paranormal stuff happening. I want to read about it mm-hmm. happening to other people. <laughs> But not to me. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that way, uh, FBI, if you're listening, that's the reason for our search histories. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Especially <laughs> mine, because I'm the one that does all the true crime stuff. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the reason. There's your explanation, FBI guy. It's purely for research purposes. <laughs> <laughs> and I know there's a lot of people that say that for various goings on that are too kosher but <laughs> yeah in my case it's true i swear we have a documented <laughs> podcast we are 18 episodes in so yeah toads could you imagine i get arrested and they were just like but explain your searchers to me we're like i'm a podcast host listen to my <laughs> podcast that's the only way that i can get someone to listen to my podcast is by oh, ouch. getting arrested <laughs> and oh, that- like making them play play it so that they know that i'm not an actual serial killer oh ouch that was very very rude to our listeners (laughs) thank you all for listening i'm just kidding no we have a pretty good fan base and we love you guys we do (laughs) all right the history portion of this that i was able to find it basically is almost everywhere stated is an ancient pagan ritual to punish lawbreakers is where this apparently comes from. So basically someone would commit a crime and they would make them play this game. Okay. I found one solitary reference onto the actual ritual. Okay. So this is a bit long, but I'm going to read it to you guys. Okay. And so this comes from a Redditor named Raven Drake Guard. It reads as such. The Midnight Man ritual was a mixture of scare tactic and judge. When someone was accused of a heinous act, the highest elder would tell them that if they were guilty and they admit to it, they would face their punishment or they could face judgment from the Midnight Man who would see into their souls. And if they did what they were accused of, their soul would be taken to be tortured for all eternity. So if they choose, if they chose the latter, sorry, it's like I directly copy pasted from theirs and oh my god they chose ladder like and like a step ladder not ladder <laughs> with t's if you choose to step on this ladder <laughs> if you choose to ascend to your roof um <laughs> yeah okay if they did what they were accused of their soul will be taken to be tortured for all eternity the elder would then begin the ritual which would start by having the accused draw their own blood put it on something, then the elder would take said object and keep it for when it was needed so that it could not be tampered with. The accused would be taken to where they were going to be locked in with the midnight man, and the elder would put the object that the accused had put their blood and state the name of the accused and the crime that they were accused of. He would then begin to call out to the midnight man, ask for his judgment, the accused would then be put into the enclosed area, and the exits were closed, then the elder began to knock on whatever was closed off 22 times 
with the final knock to occur when the moon was at its highest point. The elder was then to leave and return after some time so the midnight man could judge them. There is not a set time that the elder is to return, so it was at the elder's discretion at what time the accused was to be let out, but it was most common for it to be sunrise or when the sun was at its highest. The elder would then return to whatever hole they threw the accused into with two or more men to drag the lifeless body of the accused out if they were truly guilty or use the blood of a different creature on their object. But if the accused was innocent, they would be alive with the portion of the memory where they met the Midnight Man missing, with most of them being only able to remember black. I would like to point out that they would go to an enclosed other location. Very true. (laughs) <laughs> very, very true. They did not do this in their own home. The, the guy in charge was not like, all right, put your blood on this thing right here. We're going to go to my house. <laughs> so, yeah, I yeah. just want to point that out. I mean, interesting. Obviously, it's from Reddit. So suspect as to whether or not it is just like fiction that someone's like, oh, hey, this is the background that I've made out of thin air <laughs> or not, which is the case sometimes but in the post they had actually mentioned that they had received this from their own mother and this was actually a a history and a book that they received that explained this whole ritual so that's where likely story no just kidding that's what they claimed as their source i'm not here Mm -hmm. to call someone on the internet a liar that's a losing battle but pretty much yeah (laughs) (laughs) They may have this book and they may be just trying to share it with the world so that way everybody knows, in which case, thank you for your post. It is much appreciated because this was the only thing I could find that had any sense of actual historical context. Yeah, I get you. Basically, the earliest reference that I could find to the Midnight Game was actually a post on Reddit from 2010. Okay, so a decade before now. Yeah. A decade before now? A decade. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So here is my problem with this historical game context. Because there is no source corroboration at all from this Redditor. I mean, I'm not trying to call them a liar, but I could find no other references to this particular ritual and where it was even practiced. Was it Celtic practice? Was it Germanic practice? Or was it even North European? Was it Eastern European? Like there is nothing I can find to corroborate even where this was practiced. So basically it was just like a giant case of my mama told me. Yeah. (laughs) My mama told me, their mama told me, and oral traditions are well and good, but they don't lean credence to an actual source yeah it's a lot harder to prove something that is like only known within a very select family line i suppose yeah. as opposed to like a group of people right so i I can't find if this was practiced by a specific village or you know a specific local group or just like one family that did this once just to Punish somebody for... Could you imagine if it was just, like, a specific family? And they were like, Uncle John, he done stole something. Bring out the Midnight Man. (laughs) Yeah, that would would be rough. Crazy family life there. Yeah. But according to the original post, it was mostly for, like, cases of, like, murder and rape and, like, really heinous crimes. Yeah, sounds about right. So, 
again, my problem with the Midnight Games history and all of this is that it just it seems like it's this weird mashup of so many different ideas and like bastardizations of those ideas. How so? Uh, basically, it like the ritual, it has the hallmarks of like actual ritual summoning. That's used by Wiccans and Celts. Okay, with like the blood. Yeah, using blood. The knocking. Using your name, knocking. Inviting in, yeah. all that jam. Yeah, so like lighting candles, blood and names, using the peak nighttime and the moon phases. I mean, those are genuine practices for summoning under a lot of Wiccan and pagan tenets. So that, that okay, I can, I can buy that because those do have a lot of parodies with the actual summoning rituals. So cool. I mean, I'm not disparaging the ritual portion. I'm disparaging the origin. I want to be very, very clear on this. Yeah. Because like, what what's done has weight and actual practice behind it. So they're valid methods. It's just, was this an actual ritual is my big issue. Yeah. Or was it like a random made up one kind of thing? Yeah. So getting back into the mashup of things and why I, i'm really hesitant like elements yeah like i'm like why i'm really hesitant to say this as a true origin of the midnight man mm-hmm. is the witching hour portion that bugs me like you would not believe why does it bug you because the witching hour is actually a christian concept oh okay i see what you mean so 3 33 a.m is known as the witching hour and this actually has major ties into Christianity and specifically the Salem witch trials and the Spanish Inquisition. Okay. Because the witching hour was used to identify witches who were out at the witching hour performing their rituals, even though they could have just been walking home or trying to just go get something real fast in the middle of the night. So basically, if you woke up at the wishing hour and you really needed to pee, you wouldn't be able to go out to your outhouse yeah. <laughs> in the middle of the night. Like, that would be too much of a risk. That would suck. I would totally died back in that time period. I pee a lot. <laughs> yeah. So that was, that was a concept that was used to identify witches and their practice because they always practiced at the witching hour. And the witching hour, the reason why that came up is that They were Christian scholars in the 15th, 14th century who had basically determined that the time that Christ was crucified was at 3.33 in the afternoon. And then the exact opposite time of that became the witching hour. Oh, yeah. Okay. I've heard that before where that's it's supposed to be like the furthest distance. Yeah. This happened during the day that the opposite evil portion of it happens at whatever yeah. the opposite time is at night or whatever. 12 hours from that happening, exactly half mm-hmm. in, into the night, half as far a distance as you can get either forwards or backwards. So that's the origin of the witching hour, which didn't spring up until like the 13th, 14th century, which at that point, Christianity had already put its boot to the throat of everything, not Christianity. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm like, ah! Yeah, that that's a huge wrench for me when it comes to the origin as an ancient pagan ritual. Mm-hmm. So we're talking just probably more like 90s Buffy era. <laughs> Buffy era, <laughs> early 2000s, supernatural era. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of this particular ritual does sound very supernatural to me with like the lit candle and the salt and mm-hmm. like a lot of stuff like that are very much so 
crazy associated with the paranormal now because of shows like Supernatural and Buffy and all that. Yeah. The last real problem I have is the summoning of an evil spirit, the intentional summoning of a vengeful evil spirit, because that's a modern concept. Now, mm-hmm. it's not like, you know, ancient like pagans and Wiccans and stuff didn't know that there were evil spirits out there and everything was just sunlight and rainbows. But the fact to intentionally summon something, accidents happened and they were there as warnings and all the folklore is there as warnings why you don't do this, why you don't do that. And that you would come across them as an accident or as a mistake that you have made. They were there to serve a learning purpose. Kind of like early man trying all the different fruits from all the different trees. And if you didn't die, then it was probably fine. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, but like, but the fact of consciously and willingly summoning an, an vengeful spirit is not part of those core of those ancient tenets that they used to hold. That would have, in fact, as far as I understand most pagan and Wiccan belief systems, to intentionally summon that into a judgment is to make yourself a party to that evil spirit and therefore tainting yourself. Mm-hmm. So, no, they wouldn't have done that. <laughs> so, like, that's my biggest problem. Well, maybe. I mean, I'm sure that there's always going to be, like, at any point in human history, there's going to be, like, a flip side to the... Yeah, not like some benevolent. There's always the malevolent, you know. Well, yeah, that's not discounting human nature and the need to like do evil, because you know, let's face mm-hmm. it, evil exists. So, and evil people exist, and of course, they're like, oh, I could summon the vengeful one. And sure, they might do that, but the fact this is stated as an ancient pagan ritual for punishment. Mm-hmm. That's where I'm like, no, no. You would not summon a vengeful spirit like that. Oh, well, fair enough. So basically it would be like the the large majority of like, say, a village or something like that would not be relying upon an evil entity for like judgment Yeah. as a whole. Like it because, you know, obviously most pagan anything would be leaning more towards the good side for the whole as opposed to the underbelly, the seedy underbelly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, pretty much. I can see where you're, you're getting at. I mean, I don't know, you know, all of pagan and Wiccan history in order to be like, oh, yeah, 100% or anything like that. You know more about that than I do. But yeah, I mean, I'm picking up what you're putting down. Yeah. I see it. Okay. But so (laughs) having said all of that, you know, all of my problems with, you know, the midnight game and and its origins and ancient pagan rituals and all of this stuff. Yeah. But I mean, most things from the Internet, it's an ancient pagan ritual. It's like synonymous with. I made this up at two in the morning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But so, yeah. But having, having said all of that, evil spirits, twisted souls, you know, monsters of the night have a good reason to believe in their existence. Like with everything, like a lot of the occult circles, paranormal circles, there is every good reason to believe that if spirits and everything else exist, that evil things of that nature also exist. So every good reason to believe that. So, and if they exist, they can be summoned. <laughs> so just putting that out there. And so it may be a modern creation, but that does not diminish the validity of the game. Well, I mean, it's just like anything like science and stuff like that. Just because we recently discovered it does not make it any less true. Right. Kind of thing. 
So, I mean, you never know. This just could be something that someone out there put out into the mainstream that is totally actually a thing. Yeah, like, <laughs> but it, it could be the case that somebody was like they'd learned about a summoning ritual and like, hey, let me try and do it this way. And they ended up summoning this entity that we've now come to collectively call the Midnight Man. That uh-huh. ended up becoming the Midnight Man in this game that you summon when you play it. So, yeah, I mean, the reality is, like, it may have been something else. It could have been something that somebody just decided on a whim to try out, and it worked. So then they put it on the internet, and now we all know it as the Midnight Game. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, my my last little note on the Midnight Game is this, and it's with any paranormal game. Playing with evil is a surefire way to invoke evil in your life. Yeah, that's fair. Every, like, quote-unquote personal account I've ever read of people playing the Midnight game were not great. Like, yeah. it ranges anywhere from nothing really happened, but I think I might have did it wrong or whatever, to, like, I played it, my candle blew out, I put a salt circle around me, and then sat until 3.33 in the morning while a shadow man stood a few feet from me saying terrible things to me, you know, stuff like that. So all around, whether or not it's actually a thing and it's true, terrifying. (laughs) Yeah. And I, for one, don't want to play to find out if it actually is true. (laughs) Yeah, this is this is not something I want to independently verify. You can play it with a group, I think, too. right? Yes, you can. can. By yourself or with the group. So, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. If if somebody if we're in a group of people and they all decide that they're going to play this game. My first response is to get the absolute fuck out of there. Yeah, I feel like that's fair. Oh, you want to play this game? Cool. Have a good night. I'm going home. That's exactly what I did when my friends wanted to play with the Ouija board. Yep. I walked my ass home. I was like, nah, I'm Mm-mm. done. On my way out of the door, something creepy happened too. So I was like, yeah, definitely not. Walking away. <laughs> Peace out. See you guys later. I hope. <laughs> yeah, you all have fun getting possessed and doing all that shit. That's on you. I am not a party to this. <laughs> oh, yeah. Fuck this shit I'm out. Mm-hmm. Fuck this shit I'm out. <laughs> That's basically my little spiel and take on the Midnight Game. I don't know its validity or not. There's plenty of anecdotal evidence to suggest that it is a thing that does happen and it does summon a creature. But there's also a lot of the counter to it where I tried it and nothing happened. Lots of accounts like that. Yeah. Whether it's true or not, or it is a, is a game that can summon it, I don't think that's a powder keg i want to play with that's fair i know there's like a movie there is a movie there? yes yeah that's what i thought i've never watched it but isn't it called the midnight man no it's called the midnight game oh okay i always thought it was the okay no it, it it's called the midnight game from some of the reviews and stuff i was reading they said it's a good generic horror suspense movie so basically good for what it is like the yeah. genre it's it's <laughs> good for the genre some people said it, it's a good entry level movie to watch for people just getting into horror but for those who are hardcore horror enthusiasts you'll probably be bored out of your mind gotcha look i like the babadook Mm. that's pretty much what i heard about the babadook this is the first time i've heard about this movie so i'm yes maybe i don't know really no you haven't heard of that one before no that was like a big one there for a minute it's like this weird creepy creature paranormal movie i don't know i haven't watched it i just saw like the weird mask thing that it wears and it's 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 not so much of a scary face as it is just kind of funny. But yeah, well, um, I, I really don't pay much attention to horror, so and horror movies in general. So, and yeah, yeah, I'm more of a suspense kind of gal. I like suspense movies or mystery. Yeah, 
thriller. Mm, thriller. Thriller's worth that. Yeah, I'm <laughs> I'm definitely more of a psychological thriller person. Yeah. And things that fuck with your mind. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Like you get me like one of my favorites is called Uncanny. And it is Uncanny? Yeah. It is the most amazing what the fuck did I just watch ending. Oh, it was it was glorious. That's fair. I haven't seen that one. I might have to check it out. I really like Room 1408 and the number 23, you know, those kind of like psychological thrillers that are just super in your head or just movies in general where you're unsure of whether or not everything that's happening is actually happening or if the person is just batshit insane. Like, yeah. Like those ones. <laughs> yeah. So it is. But like that one, actually, like the twist at the end even had me going, oh, that was good. <laughs> Good to know. Yeah. But the whole thing, just uh, for those of you who are interested, the whole brief synopsis of Uncanny is there's a a guy who's developed a robot AI to be as human as possible. A reporter comes in and they're trying to pass the Turing test, which is basically trying to convince someone that the AI is an actual person. Mm -hmm. Like a sentient being. Yeah, like a sentient being. And so, I mean, that's done by... You know, just feeding questions into a computer and thinking that it's a human at the other end, giving you responses and not a machine. So that's the the basic Turing test. And so basically the whole movie is this reporter working to try and figure out the rope, the robot and whether or not she thinks it's a real person. Hmm. Yeah, And there's basically like four people in the entire cast and it's amazing. Oh, yeah. Sounds interesting. Might have to check it out. I feel like this podcast, half, like majority of the time is like 80% paranormal true crime stuff and then like 20% media recommendations. Yeah, from us. yeah, <laughs> yeah. We, we recommend a lot. So, uh, yeah, if you're not into that, <laughs> sorry, watch, guys. We watch a lot of shows, movies and read a lot of books. <laughs> yeah, we do. We do. So. Okay, so getting back into the last stuff, the last thing I'm, I want to get into is the game Bloody Mary. Oh, yeah. And it, it's one of those games like we, we all know we we've all heard versions of it from the time we were like six or seven. It's a game everybody knows. And on the off chance, you do not know Bloody Mary classic what rock have you been living under first because holy shit how have you made it through this life without knowing this game i don't know or what country do you live in yeah i was gonna say i'm sure there's parts of the world where people are like i have no idea what that is or they might call it something different either way like if you have never heard of this before let us know because i'd be curious to know about where where you live and how you live to just to figure out how you have not heard of this game but if you don't The brief synopsis of it is you stare into a mirror. You can either be in pitch darkness or have a candle or two candles. There are lots of variations, but you look into the mirror and you begin to chant Bloody Mary. You can do this a number of times. Most things I found said 13 times is the average because 13 is an unlucky number and the number of the devil. I always heard it was three. Yeah, three times, 13 times, like some number of times, but you chant Bloody Mary into the mirror. The number of times might actually be regional. Oh, that's fair. Just kind of changes based on local superstition. Yeah, kind of. After time, images appear before your eyes, and it is said that the ghost of Bloody Mary will appear, and depending on the legend, will either horrify you, give you visions of gruesome scenes, or maybe even scratch your eyes out. All very 
seemingly unpleasant things. <laughs> yeah, I, I would not enjoy any of those. I don't know what other people are into, but <laughs> none of those things are things that I find fun in any way, shape or form. Yeah. I mean, we don't kink shame here, but. Yeah, no, no, no. God, no. Not into it. <laughs> if you rock that particular boat, hey, more power to you as long as. <laughs> As long as nobody else, you're not, how do I phrase this? As long as your passions and desires do not go on to the unconsenting. <laughs> yeah, that's a fair way to put it. Because I was going to say, as long as you don't cause harm to others, but there's kinks out there where it is causing harms to others, but they're consenting. And it's this. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> There's a lot that goes. We'll just scratch most of it. Yeah, uh, <laughs> there's, not, there's a lot. Not, not to lot. go into the full BDSM world and everything there. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so the history of Bloody Mary. So there are several different versions of who Bloody Mary actually is. She's known by several different names. There's a lot. I just don't want to go into reading all of them out there because I don't want to butcher them again and again. But one of the more common themes of the history of Bloody Mary is that uh, said to be a witch who was executed a hundred years ago for playing around with the black arts. Then you also have I think a more modern versions of where she comes from is that she's was someone who died like in a local car accident and her face was horribly mutilated or died in some horrific way and all that kind of stuff. And it's just it's a modern spirit that has that started doing this and and not the ancient witch, but you know, that again wasn't the ancient like witch or whatever that it's based off of, wasn't it that like she was burned at the stake and at the stake she said that she was going to like curse the town and she would reach out to the people of the town through a mirror or something like that? Yeah, that's one of the legends out there that's the more fleshed out and embellished version of her story. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah. And I mean, there there are some accounts that said it was a witch burned during the Salem witch trials, so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've heard a couple of different versions of that one. And then also the like a lady getting murdered. I heard about that one. Mm -hmm. And the other source that is said to be it tends to get conflated with is uh, the historical Bloody Mary. Mary the first of England, mm. who was the queen shortly after Henry the Eighth, mm -hmm. which I'm sure most of us know Henry the Eighth. He's the one who divorced and murdered a lot of his wives and founded the Church of England because the Pope said he couldn't divorce his wife. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that that guy. So tell us more about her. Yeah. So Queen Mary the First of England is sometimes thought to have gained the moniker Bloody Mary because she used to murder virgins and bathe in their blood in order to retain her youthful appearance. Mm -hmm. That is absolutely not true. The reason why she gained the title Bloody Mary is because she put a bunch of Protestants to death during her reign in order to help spread Catholicism again in England and stamp out this new Church of England thing going on. Yeah. So basically just like a, a, a different brand of murder. <laughs> yeah, it was a different brand. I mean, because the whole thing about her bathing in the blood of virgins to stay young and beautiful is definitely full of shit because she was in her 40s and rather matronly. Huh. I mean, you don't know what they were into back then. Well, if that's what <laughs> bathing in the blood of virgins did for her, I wouldn't want to see the before pictures. <laughs> Because uh, I'm like, if that's the best you got, oof, you sure it was worth it? 
Anyway, so that's some of the origin of who Mary is supposed to be. Yeah, savage, savage origin. (laughs) Yeah, but where did it kind of come from, this whole looking into the mirror thing? And would you believe it or not, something we talked about on our Halloween episode, episode 13, the Celtic tradition of finding out who your lover was on Samhain. (laughs) Yes. I hate this story so much. It still freaks me out. (laughs) But that is actually where uh, most people attribute the game Bloody Mary to. Is that it's just an adaptation of the old Celtic tradition of walking up a flight of stairs backwards with a candle in your hand and a mirror in your hand, looking over to see the face of your lover. No, future lover, I should say. Still don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> That's basically where most people credit the source of Bloody Mary. So on for Bloody Mary, it's been around a while. So there's actually been some science done on like a lot of modern paranormal games. There's not been a lot of science mm-hmm. done on it, mostly because... It's paranormal, and most science looks at that and goes, oh, come on, guys, grow the fuck up already. That's their attitude. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, whether they're right or not is a separate issue, but that's their attitude. Yeah. I mean, pretty much with all of this stuff, it's like, ah, there's two sides of the coin here. Could be a thing, could not be a thing. (laughs) Yeah, basically. Hard to know unless you are directly the person that's done it and lived it. Right. So the science. As far as science is concerned, the reason why the Bloody Mary event actually happens is partially due to what's called the Troxler effect. So that is that where if you're staring at your reflection for long enough, is that what the what is yeah. that it starts to like warp? Okay, yeah, basically. So the specific definition of what that effect is is when you stare at the same object for a prolonged period of time, there comes a point when your brain adapts or gets used to unchanging stimuli. As a result, your neurons cancel the information out, and the image often appears blurry, faded, or distorted until you blink or look around. Yeah, okay, so it was the one I was thinking of. Yeah, it is that effect. That's crazy. I've never had that happen before, but I would assume that it would be real creepy. Well, and essentially, Italian psychologist Giovanni Caputo conducted an experiment in 2010 in which people were asked to enter a dimly lit room and look at their reflection in the mirror for 10 minutes. It's a long time. That is a long time. Like, I can't stand to look at myself for the 30 seconds after getting out of the shower. Never mind 10 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) So after they did the experiment, they were asked to report on what they saw. Of 50 test subjects, 66% reported in seeing huge deformations on their face. 48% also saw fantastical and monstrous beings. Others describe seeing the face of a parent, some of whom were deceased, the face of an animal, or the face of an old woman or child. I don't like that. Uh, I don't like that at all. <laughs> yeah. No, that's fair. You shouldn't like that. I mean, just like you said, let alone staring at myself for that amount of time would already be like, oh, God, I would start like picking my features apart. It's already hard enough trying to focus on my face enough to do my makeup. So, <laughs> <laughs> right? <sighs> but, but just like staring blankly into my own eyes, and I probably start imagining things too, I'm sure. Yeah. But the other thing that Capojo has found is that the same effect 
can also be obtained during eye-to-eye gazing between two individuals. So if you're staring at another person for long enough, then yeah. they'll start to distort as well. He called it intersubjective gazing. So it produced an even higher number of strange faces seen by the test subjects, according to another experiment he did in 2013. Okay, well, it's a good thing I have trouble making eye contact. Yeah, <laughs> and so some of the reason why... Uh, they think it happens more with other people and other people's features while you're staring at them. And this, the Troxler effect kicks in is because it, it's because we're in the Matrix. Just kidding. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> it was worth a shot. <laughs> no, it's because we are familiar with our own reflection. Mm-hmm. We find it more steady in our mind. And even if we do have a distorted version of ourselves in our head. We do have that, but when we're staring at another's features, there's no concrete image of them. So when we stare at them for a long period of time, what gets fixed in our head and gets ignored by our brain is not as consistent as our own reflection because we don't have a baseline for them. That's so crazy. Yeah. Because you'd think that like whatever input is coming through your eyeballs would be pretty consistent because, (laughs) oh, it's reality. It's right there. So my eyeballs are totally going to not be deceiving me, but- of course not. Oh, oh God. Our brains are weird and process information weird. <laughs> oh God! Like I, I'm way too much of a philosopher. Like I, there is no way I believe what my senses are telling me is real. Holy crap! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's because you went to school for philosophy, so you were like, your brain is already conditioned to question everything. Yeah, but it was like I can't. No, no. Nope, I can't can't buy that. I would never believe that my eyes are telling me the truth. I'm like, uh, I have to check it in. Okay, is it telling me the truth? Maybe. That's the farthest I go. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> That's the last bit on the science there, which I thought was super, super fascinating and wanted to share with you guys. It is really cool, but also terrifying. Yeah, a little bit. So I hope I don't have nightmares tonight. I have I already spent all of yesterday and today. This is how I spent my new year. So you guys are going to get a real insight into my life right now. I stayed home for New Year's <laughs> and binge watched American Horror Story. So <laughs> that's what I've been doing for two days. And I was already nervous about sleeping tonight. So I'm sure this is going to add so many colorful things mm-hmm. to my dreamscape. Nightmare fuel. <laughs> so much nightmare fuel. Ugh. Yeah. I just got through the first season of American Horror Story. So I'm just like... <sighs> What did I just watch? Pretty much, yeah. (laughs) The last little bit I wanted to share for my segment was my own personal story relating to Bloody Mary. Mm. Now, I've never played Bloody Mary, but that does not mean I haven't had friends who have played Bloody, Bloody Mary. I had two friends when I was about, I think I was six at the time. We were over at their house. They decided that they wanted to play Bloody Mary because they had heard about it from their older siblings. Of course. Now, they were both seven and eight, respectively. So I was the youngest at six. One was seven, one was eight. Now, I knew damn well that I was never going to play this game, even then. (laughs) You're just like a little six-year-old just like flipping the bird to them, too. Like, nah. Like, fuck no. You're on your own. (laughs) Like, you guys want to do it? That's on you. Now, they decided they were going to do it, and my form of participation was going to be to hold the bathroom door closed so that one of them couldn't be a little wuss and baby out and try and escape. (laughs) 
<laughs> so you got to be the terrible person on the outside keeping them in. By their own consent. <laughs> That's the asterisk. I am not an asshole. <laughs> they told me to do it. So I did. So I was holding okay, I was right. I was holding the door shut and I heard them chanting and chanting and doing their thing. And then it got real quiet. And then I just hear this, oh God, oh God, oh God, open the door, open the door, open the door. And then both of them were just like, open the goddamn door or something to those effects. I was about to say, except tiny children and maybe no curse words, but maybe yes, because we don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, but they were they were then they were screaming like open the door, open the door. So I I like open the door for them, like as they were both freaked out and screaming. And the one thing I do remember from this, now it could be just a psychological effect on my brain of their screaming and looking for something to be horrified. But when I looked into the mirror, even I saw some shit, and I wasn't even dealing with it. What did you see? Uh, what did I? Yeah, I saw like. There's a red line just spread across the mirror and like this gaseous form start to appear. Uh. Yeah. As soon as I saw that, like they were already booking it down the stairs and I was right on their heels until we made it out into the front yard and just like laid on the grass, just freaking out over what the fuck just happened. Okay. Fair. That's actually really similar to my story, <laughs> but Ooh, I don't like that. Actually seeing something in the mirror. Yeah. And I was like, I told you not to do this. I told you not to play this game. <laughs> what do you think this is a game? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I had to bring the call back. Yeah. So like, yeah. And I was sitting there like doing my total. I told you so moment, but <laughs> vindicated. <laughs> yep. That is my one experience with paranormal games, and that was enough to tell me don't ever fucking do it again. I I feel like that's fair. <laughs> mm-hmm. Should I tell mine then? I don't remember if I told it before, but I can tell mine. Even if our listeners have heard it, they get to hear it again. Okay. Well, me and like three friends, when we were little, we were probably like seven to nine, somewhere around there. And these were all kids from my little like apartment neighborhood. <laughs> so there were like other apartments in the the, our particular little complex. We all went to my house. All went to the bathroom. It was me, a girl, and another boy. Oh, I said another boy. Like I'm a boy. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, you're you're decidedly not. Yeah. So I should change that up. Me, another girl, and a boy. So we're in there in the dark. We start to do like the whole little chant thing. <laughs> Luckily, my door didn't lock, and I didn't have anyone outside holding it. So. Yeah. You know, we're in there in the dark and all of a sudden one of the little boy, he he's like, ow, 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 like that. And it starts like freaking out and panicking. And we start panicking because he's saying ow. And so we all like tear the door open and start taking off running all the way outside like you guys did all the way outside, like into the rocks outside of the apartment complex. <laughs> Because we didn't have a lawn. <laughs> ah, wow. Woo, that was salty. <laughs> Unlike some privileged people. Because <laughs> we didn't have a yard. <laughs> but we uh, we got out to the front rocked area. And we're like, what happened? What happened? And he's like, I don't know. He's like, something poked me like hard, like stung. And we're like, well, what? He, he's like, I don't know. It was on my stomach. And he lifted his shirt. And all over his stomach were these little, like, little red welted x marks all over his stomach wow. and i don't know like 
we all were wide eyed and creeped out. And so at that point, we didn't even know what to say to each other. So we all just kind of went home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and break. We're done for the day. We will never talk about this again. Yeah, pretty much. I didn't really want to ever be in my bathroom after that. <laughs> But that apartment was kind of creepy. There was some other other crazy stuff that happened in that apartment. So, but yeah, that's my my little Bloody Mary story. Well, yeah, <laughs> thanks for sharing. No, you did not actually tell that on this podcast before. Oh, did I not actually tell the whole story before? No, uh, you have not. Told I thought it. I might have mentioned mentioned it before, but I wasn't sure. Yeah, so that will conclude my section. <laughs> This brings us to the end of Ty's section. <laughs> yes, we are done for today with Ty's section. Thank you for joining the other limits. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess we're at uh, Hand of Truth? Yes, it is time for our Hand of Truth. <laughs> All right. So some areas of Scotland and Japan switched to blue street lights at night and saw a decrease in crime and suicide rates. <laughs> yes. I just thought that was really cool. <laughs> that one was less funny so much as cool. Yeah, I, I remember reading a couple articles on it because apparently mm -hmm. the blue spectrum of light is calming and soothing and also reminds people of police lights. Oh, so it makes them more cautious. I like that. Right. That's cool. It's the same shade as most of the emergency lights on police. So whenever they're, you know, about to commit a crime, that blue light subconsciously reminds them of police and consequences. That's kind of neat. I just like the thought that like regular white or yellow lights are making people aggro. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and the blue lights are soothing and tranquil. <laughs> it, it, yeah, well, they're more they're more soothing. They're cooler. They create calm emotion. And then the emergency light. So yeah, it's just a combination of all of those factors that have led to a drop in suicide rates and uh, crime rates where they've implemented them. Could you imagine, like, they only, especially if they only installed those lights on certain streets, like there's a guy following somebody with a knife in his pocket about to rob him and try to follow him down the next street. The guy turns a corner, the robber turns the corner too, but all the lights are blue and he's like, oh, I don't need to rob anyone today. And just puts his knife away and goes home. <laughs> yeah, that would, that would be interesting. <laughs> But yeah, that's the kind of truth for today. Wow. I just thought it was really cool. I read it and was like, okay, this is less funny than it is neat, but I like it and it's a little more true crime related. So I'm going to go for it. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, I like it too. Obviously, I've read a couple of articles on it and I was able to explain it, which is okay. Yeah, I should be used to the, me doing that by now, but I'm not. <laughs> well, you're, you spend much more time living in the interwebs than I do. Very true. Very true. I spend a lot more of my time on the Netflix. <laughs> yeah, I spend a lot more time dancing around the interwebs. <laughs> like, ooh, article, click, article, click, article, click. Hey. Get into the article hole. I get into the Facebook video hole. <laughs> we all do. And we all get into a YouTube hole. That's a thing that happens. <laughs> It'll be like two in the morning sometimes that I'm like going deeper and deeper into a Facebook video hole. And I'm like, I don't even know why I'm watching this. <laughs> I'm not even interested in this. Why am I still... And then you break out of it. Why am I watching how to de-ice a car? <laughs> like, it's random crap like that. Yeah. Anyways. So, we should probably get into your stories that you've brought for us today. 
Well, technically speaking, I only have one because I have a case and also a game that relate to one another. So I can describe the game first and then go into the case or I can do the case first and then go into the actual game itself. What would you prefer? I think we should go into the game first. So that way we have that in the back of our minds when we're talking about the case. Okay, we will do that then. All right, so I covered the elevator game Ah. this time around. Ah. Yeah, this one's creepy. I don't like it. I don't like the elevator (laughs) game either. Ah. Um, But this particular game actually originated on a South Korean website in 2010. Hey, 2010 again. Just like the Midnight Man. It was a good time for paranormal games, apparently. I guess so. But yeah, when it went viral across the internet after it showed up on that site, I don't know what the site's called. I didn't actually find the name of the site. I guess that's where it started. And it just kind of went on a craze from there and it hit Reddit, spreads like wildfire. Yeah. So (laughs) I think I got like one of like the more popular elevator game posts on Reddit is like a dude that did this whole piece about the elevator game and either time travel or hopping worlds sort of Mm. feel to it. I read the whole thing. It was interesting to say the least, but definitely, at least to me, a work of fiction. I think it was more like a writing prompt kind of thing, but, you know, people on there, believe what you want to believe, grain of salt. (laughs) Fair. Um, But anyway, so how you kind of play this game, and I won't give you like the step-by-step instructions because there's a lot of them, but you basically have to find a building that has more than 10 stories, like at least 10 stories or more. Yes. And this has to have an elevator in it. It also has to be, for the most part, not busy. You have to do this game by yourself. You don't want people like walking in to use the elevator (laughs) while you're trying to play this game. Yeah, apparently that will (laughs) stop whatever ritual it is that you're using in this game and interrupt it. You have to essentially wait until they get off and then start again. Start all over from the beginning. Yeah. Yes. From the top. But you... Get on the elevator on the first floor and then go through a series of steps traveling to a bunch of different floors in a very specific order. Mm -hmm. And the entire point of this game is that you go through all of the steps and then by the end of it, you're supposed to end up in a parallel dimension where there's no one else but you. Mm -hmm. Yep, Everything else is apparently still the same, like the building will look the same, but it'll be completely dark outside. And you'll see one of two things when you look outside. Some people report seeing a red like X or cross glowing in the distance. And then other people say that they can still see the city that they're supposed to be in, but it's like decrepit and like completely run down. Mm -hmm. But there's no one else there, like living thing there except for you is what is essentially supposed to do as far as if you play this game. Right. But there's a couple crazy things that can kind of. Well, I guess mostly one crazy thing that can happen (laughs) while you're attempting to play this game. And at one point, when you hit the fifth floor, at that point, a woman may or may not board the elevator. And this one may or may not look like someone you know, but you are not allowed to acknowledge her or speak to her. Yes. No matter what. So do not look at her. Do not talk to her. Nothing. Like, do not acknowledge that she exists no matter how much she talks to you, anything. Yeah. Uh, apparently, she could also like get angry, start screaming, ranting at you. Yes. Uh-huh. Like, she'll, like, a lot of people report that she'll do everything in her power to get you to acknowledge her presence. 
in some way, shape, or form. Like even so far as to kind of tricking you into acknowledging her presence. Mm-hmm. Like I know I read one account where a person said she got on the elevator with them and they basically turned and like faced the wall. So that way she couldn't like she, they couldn't see her and just like acted like she didn't exist. Like mm-hmm. no matter what she said, she kept like talking. And they finally like got off of the elevator on the 10th floor at the very end of the ritual of the uh, elevator floors. And when they stepped out, they heard behind them the elevator ding and they swear that they heard the elevator doors close. And when they turn around to look at the elevator, the doors are still open and she was still standing in the the elevator. Mm -hmm. So it like tricked her into looking at, at her. But they say that a few things can happen. If you do interact with her, like one, like she'll kill you mm-hmm. on the spot. Uh, other ones say that you won't be able to leave the game. Others say that like she'll follow you home after you've played the game. Like, or some people even say that they'll get all the way home and then they'll wake up in the elevator game again. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. So basically, bad news bears if you interact with the crazy lady on the fifth floor. Yeah, very, very much so. <laughs> Leave her alone. Yeah. So that's like the main thing to not do. But I guess if you do successfully complete the game, you ignore her, all that other stuff, and you get to the 10th floor and you step out into the different dimension, you can kind of go through and explore for a little while. But most places say don't spend too much time there because after a certain point, uh, people start to feel disoriented. Sometimes they'll get to a point where they try to go back to the elevator and the elevator is not there anymore. Mm-hmm. Or it seems like they're not ever getting any closer to the elevator, no matter how far they walk. Yep. Yep. Stuff yep. like that. So basically a lot of distortions and perceptions while they're playing this game. In order to get out of the elevator game, once you actually successfully get to this other dimension, you're supposed to, like there's one of two ways that I've heard. One, you either have to take the stairs all the way down to the first floor and do the elevator game again from the top, but you have to start on the first floor to do it. Another one says that you need to get on on the 10th floor and do all of the steps backwards. So completely in order, just the from down up instead. Yeah. And those are apparently the two ways. If you fuck up any of these steps, apparently you either A, can't get out of the game or B, you go home and you either start having really bad dreams, bad luck starts to follow you, or you keep waking up back in that building on the 10th floor. Mm-hmm. So Lots of bad things can happen if you don't do things in the correct order. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, a lot of times too, when you're playing the game, when you get to the 10th floor, um, cell phones stop working or they die, even if you have full charge. Yep. So you can't like contact people. Yeah. So yeah, that's kind of the the absolute basics of what the elevator game is. Apparently that lady's pretty scary. Apparently. <laughs> I know. I read one account on Reddit of a girl that played the game and she said that the lady got on on the fifth floor. She was trying to ignore her and the lady basically got on, the doors closed and she seemed fine. She's like, hey, I actually need some help. Can you help me? And she didn't say anything, obviously. And the girl goes, hey, talking to you. I need your help. There's someone back on the fifth floor and they're hurt and I need your help to help them. And like, that's what she was trying to say is that for some reason she got on the elevator, let the elevator door close because she wanted to get some help and she was asking her for help. Yeah. I don't know. All of it was super weird, suspicious. 
she tried to just continue to ignore her. But it got to the point where this lady got super angry and started like screaming at her. It's like, I'm talking to you and just like cussing her out. And I guess because a lot of people, I guess, say this, but sometimes she'll elicit like anger Mm -hmm. in the person, like to the point where it's like you want to interact with her because you're so angry with her. And I guess this girl in particular lost control and got angry and basically like turned around and essentially beat her up. Like she slammed her head into the elevator wall and like just beat the crap out of that mystery lady okay <laughs> yeah but i guess after that she was saying that there was a lot of bad stuff that started happening to her after she played this game and she's like i 100 do not ever recommend anyone play this game she goes i played it and do not ever do it that's <laughs> like one person on reddit's account but super crazy super creepy super weird i got crazy chills when i heard this particular <laughs> one especially like the red x in the distance i don't know why but that creeps me out the most huh yeah <laughs> yeah no i i could see how that could be really dis uh words disturbing yeah disturbing that's the word i was looking for just woo-y. bye guys <laughs> bye guys bye. i'll see you later <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Let's see. Let me make sure I didn't forget anything. Oh, one thing that I found kind of fascinating is the one of the places that I was looking at that was talking about the rules of this game. Mm-hmm. They had gone directly to the original website where the like Korean rules had been originally posted. Mm-hmm. They did like a direct Google Translate just to kind of figure out exactly like what the instructions were saying. What it said for the fifth floor lady is that she is not a person. And if you talk to her or make a sound, you will not be. Uh, uh. I was like, well, that's creepy. Wow. <laughs> but I made a special note of that because it freaked me out a little bit. And I was like, mm, going to have to share that one. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> so I don't know what it means. It's like, okay, so you will not be as in you will not exist. Or you will not be as in you will not be human anymore either. Knowing what little I know about the Korean context and how it's structured, it should imply that you will not be a human anymore. Well, I hate that. (laughs) That's like the worst of the two options. I don't know why, but it is. Yeah, that talking to her will change you fundamentally. Yeah, maybe that's what like why that girl like lost her temper and went all crazy and beat her up. Because she wasn't a, a person anymore. She changed because she acknowledged it by getting angry. Yeah. I do want to also point out that here in my notes, I labeled these as the rules. R-U-L-Z. <sighs> <laughs> I just wanted to share that. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, yep. That's it. Okay. That's that's the entirety of the game. Yeah. that That is the elevator game in a nutshell. Under no circumstances should you be advised to do this game. I don't care how interesting it sounds. Do not do this one. But if you do, yeah. let us know. Yeah. And there's tons of places on the internet where you can read personal accounts and live vicariously through others as opposed to doing it yourself. Yeah, much safer. There's even like YouTube videos of YouTubers attempting to play the game. I did watch one where like one of the guys was super freaked out and he started playing the game and he was recording the whole time. And on the fifth floor, a girl actually did get on the elevator with him and he was like, <laughs> like full panic mode. It was great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was super entertaining. And she was like 
she was of Asian descent too, so I think that probably freaked him out more just because of the origins yeah. of this thing. So I was like, oh, that poor boy. And you just saw him with this, like his eyes got all big and he just turned toward the wall like, no, <laughs> this is not happening. But anyway, so I guess we can get into the case. Yes. The case now. Yeah. The true crime. Yes. So now that we know what exactly the elevator game is, there's a very, very famous case that I'm sure a lot of you diehard true crime fans have all heard about. But this is the Elisa Lamb case. I'll just kind of go through and kind of give you guys a little bit of a rundown of what exactly happened to poor Elisa Lamb. Yes, please do, because I am not one of those fanatics. Oh, you have you not really heard of that this case at all? No, I haven't. But no? and even though I, you know, I'm a co-host on a paranormal true crime podcast, I am not a fanatic when it comes to the these stories. True crime stuff. Yeah. Out of the two of us, I'm definitely the true crime one. Oh yeah, yeah. That that that's your wheelhouse. <laughs> I'm the I I know a lot of random crap about a lot of random things. <laughs> yes. So on January 26, 2013, 21 year old Canadian Elisa Lamb checked in at the Cecil Hotel in Los Angeles. Now. The Cecil Hotel, it has a, like a super sordid past. I don't know if you've ever heard of the Cecil Hotel, Ty. Not offhand, but that doesn't mean that once you say something about it, I'm, I don't know. I, like I'll, I'll probably have heard something about it. I just offhand know. Okay. So the Cecil Hotel is kind of this, I guess, more seedy. Well, at least it was. Now they've rebranded sort of hotel in, in Los Angeles proper. This particular place has been in the news a lot. We'll say it like that. Mm, okay. There's been tons of suicides there. There's been murders there. It's the site of one of the last places that the Black Dahlia was ever seen. Mm -hmm. She was actually staying at the hotel before the murder. And also the serial killer Richard Ramirez was actually staying there, ex like extended, like he was living there for quite some time as well. Okay. So all in all, this place kind of attracts a bad sort. There's tons of crazy creepiness there. There's tons of reports of hauntings, all that stuff. Okay. <laughs> I can just see you like rubbing your eye and you're like, oh God. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, she checked in. She was sort of in like a hostel style shared room at first, but later she ended up getting moved to a private room because some of the other roommates in that particular hostel area started to complain about her odd behavior. They said she was acting really strange. They didn't feel comfortable rooming with her. So the hotel moved her to her own private space. Okay. Yes. So already kind of strange. She was last seen on the elevator CCTV footage uh, in the hotel on January 31st. She was acting extremely strange when this video was taken. So if you Google Elisa Lamb, you'll see tons of this recording. It's all over the internet. But I'm going to kind of describe it so that Ty sort of knows and he doesn't have to actually look it up. And for those of you that are too lazy to Google it, I got your back. Okay, good. <laughs> Elisa calls the elevator and you can see the CCTV like camera is up in like the corner. Mm -hmm. And she gets on and she presses several of the buttons on the control panel, but the doors don't close. So she's kind of standing there. It looks like she's waiting for a second. But when it, the doors don't close, she kind of quickly peeks out of the elevator doors and then looks on to either side outside the elevator before she kind of hops back in 
and then she sort of hides in the corner by the control panel. Mm-hmm. It's almost like she's expecting someone to follow her or that she saw someone she's trying to hide from them in the elevator since the doors weren't closing. She then steps back out of the elevator like she's trying to surprise someone and then sort of does this weird square step where she steps out and then kind of to the side and then she steps back into the elevator and then she stepped back out of the elevator and then went to the left of the elevator and just kind of like stood just out of camera shot. She then puts her hands up on her head. She kind of leans back into the elevator and starts trying to push all the buttons again, but the doors still don't close. Hmm. Like she's just standing there like pushing. And, she, and you can see her push every single button all the way down and they don't close. She ends up stepping back out of the elevator again, kind of to the, the left of the elevator. And she starts talking to someone and you can kind of see her hands moving kind of weird. And it's just one of those things where it's like she could just be a person that talks with her hands a lot. Mm-hmm. But like the way that she's holding her hands are really like splayed out and like tense. It looks really odd the way that she's speaking to someone. But you can't see who she's talking to. So it looks like she's just talking to someone that's down the hallway out of camera shot. And then the footage ends. That's kind of like the end of it, really. It's I think I did see one other one where it didn't end right there. Like she stepped back into the elevator and just like stood there for a second. And then that was the end of the footage. But essentially, that's what the footage contained. It was very strange. She was exhibiting super odd and erratic behavior. But that was the last recorded footage of her in the entirety of the hotel. Like she just literally disappeared into thin air after that. She ended up being missing for several days. Her family ended up reporting her missing when she didn't call them. And I guess she was definitely the kid that would always call. She would call them once a day just to kind of check in because she was traveling quite a lot in America. So when her family didn't hear from her, they got worried. They ended up calling the local police and reporting her as a missing person. It wasn't until February 19th that her body was found floating in the hotel water tank on the roof. Ah. Yeah. The only reason why they ended up finding her, because obviously like the police had top to bottom combed the hotel to try to find her and questioned everyone that they possibly could. No one had seen her. The reason why they ended up finding her body was because the guests that were staying at the hotel started to report to the front desk that the water that was coming out of like the showers and stuff had really, really low pressure. So it wasn't coming out very fast. And then some people even said that the water was would come out black at first and then it would clear. Yeah. Even a couple of people said that the water tasted kind of funny, but they were like, well, maybe it's just L.A. water. So they didn't say anything. Yeah. (laughs) And like and you can see like in the news reports, because there is, again, footage on YouTube of the actual news reports that were on TV at the time. And some of the people that were interviewed were like, oh, yeah, like, I just thought that's the way that L.A. water tasted. And it's like, if I had known and they look like sick to their stomach. Yeah, I'm drinking dead girl. Yes. They drank the water or they like even just to use it to brush their teeth, you know, or took a shower in dead girl water. Yep. Exactly. Absolutely horrifying. (laughs) So they ended up finding her. But I guess when that happened, the maintenance guy decided that he was going to go up to the main water tanks and be like, "Okay, what's going on? Like, maybe there's something broken, what have you. In order to get to the water tanks on the roof, there's only two ways to get there. There's some stairs that go all the way up to an emergency exit door that is armed with an alarm. Mm -hmm. That they said that no one heard an alarm go off. So it couldn't have been that door that she accessed. Right. 
The other way was an access through a fire escape on the side of the building. But the only way that you can get to it is if you go out of a window. So you'd have to have access to the window, get the window open, and then get out into the fire escape, which apparently was unlikely. And that mostly unlikely due to probably her state of mind at the time. But we'll kind of get a little more into that in a minute. <laughs> to get to the tank, you have to go up on the platform, climb a 10-foot ladder, and then open a 20-pound door. Wow. It's basically like a vault door in order to get inside of the tank. Yeah. When the guy went up there, he did say that the hatch was open a little bit, but she was found inside of the tank completely naked, but her clothes were in the tank with her. Okay. So if she did get into the tank, she either took off her clothes and brought them with her in there, or she took the clothes off while she was in the water, but either way strange. Or if somebody did this to her, then they threw her clothes in after her kind of thing. Yeah. But that's, you know, obviously a long way to haul a body if that's the case. Just a bit. Or like, yeah. Cause of death was drowning. So there was nothing in her toxicology report like came up with any drugs in her system, any alcohol, nothing like that. She didn't have any like defensive wounds, blood force trauma, nothing like that. It was a case of drowning. They officially ruled it a accident. Really? Yes. Way to <laughs> go. Because that has accident <laughs> written all over it. Yeah. Highly suspicious, <laughs> obviously. So now I guess I want to just get into the various theories okay. about what might have happened to her. So some of the popular theories that have come out of this particular case as to what exactly happened with Elisa Lamb. One of the biggest one is that she had a bipolar manic episode or like a break in psychosis due to her bipolar and depression. That is something that she was diagnosed with. She was on medication for. It was something her family had known about. It did seem as though that she was not taking all of her medication. Okay. Like she was taking some of it, but not all of it, according to the toxicology reports. And I actually did read through the autopsy report and looks like, like there, there was some stuff that she was on that she wasn't actually actively taking. But that being said, she did go to a bookstore. Um, it was called The Last Bookstore. And she did talk to Katie Orphan, who is the owner of the bookstore. And Katie actually did an interview and she said that when she met Elisa, she came in the day that she disappeared. So she's there earlier in the day before the elevator incident. She came in. She was very friendly. She was very outgoing. She had been shopping for souvenirs for her family. And she was wondering if she would be able to kind of carry all of those heavy books home. She, there's so many of them that she wanted to get. So it seemed like she had every intention of going home, that there was nothing that it seemed like she was thinking like suicide wise. She seemed like she was in good spirits and it didn't seem as though she um, was having any kind of alarming psychotic break, I guess. Fair. Yes. But again, that being said, kind of going back to her medication, the autopsy report did show that she was taking her stimulant, but she was not taking her stabilizer. So this can lead to a manic episode, which can cause psychosis. So that might explain some of the behavior that was going on in the elevator is that she was having a manic episode, which was causing her to have delusions and start to see things, which to me, I think is pretty plausible. Yeah. But I still think it's very odd that the elevator's doors didn't close. Yeah, that, that's that's not something that, that <laughs> the theory sums up well. Yeah. So 
That was one thing I was like, yeah, but what about the elevator doors? Another one is that some people think that maybe there was more to the video footage than was actually shown publicly. Mm. The footage had been tampered with. It was parts of it were sped up or slowed down. The timestamp is blurred and about a minute of footage is missing. And there's parts where she's talking and her mouth is pixelated. Hmm. So you can't tell what she's saying. So it kind of makes you wonder, like, maybe if there was another person that might have actually entered into camera view that she was actually speaking to. Right. Or something else happened in that elevator that we didn't see sort of thing. Yeah. So that's one big theory is that people are like, well, what about that gap of information? What happened there kind of thing? Other people are just like, oh, well, she was probably just doing a lot more of the same and they needed to cut it down in order to make sure that, you know, people just could see that she was acting erratically and that got the point across so they cut it down. But yeah, very strange. Another theory is that it was ghosts. <laughs> of course. A lot of people think that she was talking to the ghost of Richard Ramirez, that serial killer we talked about earlier, who had stayed at the hotel between 1984 and 1985 and he was a known Satanist. So a lot of people believe that he's still living on the grounds to this day. <sighs> Yeah. <laughs> so they think maybe that's who it was that did her in, is that this serial killer somehow got her sort of thing. And then obviously, really big theory, the elevator game. A lot of people think that she had possibly gotten on the elevator and started playing the elevator game and she successfully made it to the 10th floor into the other dimension. But when she came back, she didn't do the order correctly. So she just came in and like pushed all the buttons. And because of that, she ended up getting killed by the mystery woman. Hmm. That's who some people say she was talking to. Yeah, that thought definitely crossed my mind, too. But yeah, that's all the theories. Yeah. So the thing that gets me is her clothes. Yeah, that I thought those are the two main things that kind of stuck out or three main things that kind of stuck out to me is the elevator door is not closing. I thought that was really strange that they just stayed open. And you can see she's not touching the rest of the buttons when she after she presses all the other buttons. Some people are like, oh, well, what if she just kind of held down the open door button? But she wasn't holding any of the buttons down. So that didn't make sense to me. And then the clothes being in the tank with her, I thought was weird. Also, if she was in a state of psychosis mm -hmm. where she didn't know where she was, I'm kind of wondering how she got, so she didn't trip the alarm, how she got out of a window, up a fire escape, up onto a water platform, up a 10 foot small ladder, and then open by herself a 20 pound vault door. Yeah. Well, for me, I like the first thing that pops into my head and having a fair amount of experience with a bipolar manic episode from the outside perspective is that a manic episode doesn't play like you think it does in bipolar because it just seems like incredibly social and outgoing a lot of the time. So, I mean, it, that's why I say I think it's possible that she could have been having a manic episode and when she met that lady she just seemed fine and like outgoing and friendly but i mean because a lot of people can be in a manic episode and still seem normal for the most part yes but my thing is is that i it's the clothes that kind of ties into this is that i wouldn't rule out that she met a guy during this manic episode and sometimes the way that that plays out is the need to have Lots and lots of sex. Mm. Do you think maybe like her and the guy went up to the water tower 
or something. Well, I think that she skinny dipping or something. She met a guy and they went probably back to his room Mm -hmm. and had sex. Mm -hmm. But in her freak out from the bipolar, like after, you know, if she started to come out of the manic episode and realize that she had just slept with some random guy. I've had some bipolar friends tell me they've had those episodes mm-hmm. and that freak out could have caused her to like actually you know, freak out and maybe hit her head on something unknowingly, which would have knocked her out. But a guy freaking out, I just slept with this random girl and now she's dead on my floor. What am I going to do with her? Mm-hmm. So take all the evidence the and th- put it in a water tank, throw it in the water tank. Yeah. Because that was my other thought, too, is that maybe if she was, like, talking to some, just not a ghost, not elevator game, just some dude or some lady. You never know. (laughs) Girls can be killers, too. Yes, they can. Lizzie Borden has something to talk about with you. (laughs) But, yeah, just, like, some other person and that something happened. Or maybe she was not up at the water tower alone. Like I said, maybe they went up there and they were, you know, having fun. Decided to jump in the water tank and like take a swim or whatever. And then something happened and she drowned or like, say the other person left and they kind of shut the door a little bit and she couldn't climb back out, yeah. you know, something like that. I mean, there's a lot of explanations that could possibly be plausible, but without further evidence of exactly how it was that she got up there and why there's just, I mean, there's no way to tell. Yeah, no. And like that's just kind of my real world sleuther hat saying this is what could have possibly happened. But mm-hmm. yeah, and like especially the elevator game portion of it, pressing the buttons in the specific order you're supposed to press them in, because that is a very specific set of buttons to press. Mm-hmm. I know. And she got in and kind of just like pushed a bunch of buttons. So but, you know, Internet latched on to the fact that she was in an elevator. So. It like could be that she was playing the game or it could be that she had never in her life heard of the elevator game and she was just panicking and pushing buttons or she was having a manic episode messing around and pushing a bunch of buttons. Wee! Button! Button light, button light, button light, button light. You know, mm-hmm. that happens sometimes in a manic episode. Yeah. But like if, if she was playing the elevator game, then yeah. Yeah, I could, I could definitely see how her ending up in a water tank could have happened. Because according to some theories about the elevator game is that you are in an alternate plane and the rules don't work the same there. Mm -hmm. So being able to bypass a security door is well within the realms of possibility trying to get out. Mm -hmm. And there are also sometimes people report that there are things that are there with you. You're not actually there alone, but they are not. They're like shadow people kind of stuff and shadow things that are trying to get force you to stay. No, I mean, most of the stuff I read was all just like, you're there alone kind of thing, but it's like creepy because it's also like, there's no sound. Yeah. Like it's completely like you walk in and it's like someone put your muffs on you. I mean, all in all, it's not a, it's a terrifying game. <laughs> yes. Yes. Definitely a very terrifying game. Please don't. Yeah. And you know, whether or not Elisa Lamb was playing this game, I'm not sure, but it's, it's just like a terrible, tragic story. Yeah, it and is. Especially like the parents are like, oh, she's, that's our daughter. She's just going out for a fun, quick travel. We thought she would be okay. and She wasn't, you know, it's yeah. just so sad. It is. It is a sad story. And she had like a really bright future. I mean, she was young and she was, I think, in college and stuff too. So yeah, it's just sad. Yeah. But 
Yeah. So that that's one kind of true crime elevator game situation that happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So true crime headline. Then we'll go out on a little bit less sad note. Yeah. Let's let, let's uh brighten this up because that would be a terrible way to end this episode. By the way, yeah, she's dead and her parents are grieving. So yay. Have a good night, guys. That's a terrible ending to this episode. So. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. And I'm sorry, I always bring it down with the true crime stuff. But I hope that Ty, you and all of our listeners realize that I like trying to bring in the true crime stuff, not only because it's one, fascinating, but two, because like I think it's important to kind of talk about these people. Yeah. You know, and like give, not necessarily, I wouldn't go so far as to say like a voice, but give some attention back to these people that were lost. Right. You know, and, you know, especially the unsolved cases. Yeah. Because to me, that's like the more attention that's out there, the more people that are thinking about it, that means the more pair of eyes that are like, if they see something on the street that's wrong, or, you know, if they come across some thing that they would have otherwise not thought anything about, but it's a vital piece of evidence that was buried in a, you know, back of a closet or something like that. I feel like there's going to be a higher chance of that the more people that know. Right. So I hope everybody realizes that that's the main reason why I like talking about this really depressing stuff. And I'm sorry if I bring the mood down, but that's the reasoning. <laughs> yeah. All right. So. So. True crime headline. Yeah. Bring it back up to the true crime headline. So <laughs> someone is putting tiny cowboy hats on pigeons in Las Vegas as animal rescue works to remove them. <laughs> Wait, what? There's someone who has yet to be identified because they haven't caught this person yet that is somehow catching local pigeons in Los Angeles and putting tiny, tiny cowboy hats on their heads. Like super gluing or ribbon or string or? At the point of this particular article, they're unsure as they are trying to work on catching one of the pigeons. Oh, oh they haven't caught one. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. To try to remove the hats, because obviously it's like if it's like a string, they can probably just take it off. But if this person glued it yeah, to the poor pigeon's head, then obviously that is animal abuse. Very much so. And they are needing to find this perpetrator if that's the case. They are adorable. <laughs> These tiny, tiny pigeons with tiny, tiny hats. <laughs> wow. And like some of the statements that were included on this particular article were just like, my first thought was, oh, it's so cute. And then my second thought was, oh, but how is it stuck on? <laughs> right? that, that, that was my first question. How did he, how do they stick it on? Yeah, exactly. But yeah, they're trying to catch all the pigeons and then remove the hats because they're afraid of what long term it might do to them, like flight wise and everything. It might mess with their aerodynamics, having it on their head. Yeah. You know? All around bad news bears. If, um, they can't get all of the cowboy hats off. God, yeah. But the pictures are adorable. I will say that. <laughs> uh, I'm thinking about the amount of effort it takes to do that. Right? To like go around. And it's like a lot, apparently. There's several of these birds that people were seeing all over Los Angeles. So this person caught like tons of birds over the course of I don't know how long to put tiny cow. Where did he get all of the tiny cowboy hats from? Yeah, China. <laughs> just bulk order yeah probably a bunch of tiny cowboy hats they look like they fit on their head really well too so it's like did he like buy one cowboy hat and make sure it fit right before he bought in bulk or <laughs> did he have a pigeon that he just measured the head on and i was like okay it needs to be this size there's just 
so many questions. <laughs> yeah, a lot of questions. A lot of questions about this. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's the true crime headline. Wow. For today is Pigeons and Tiny Cowboy Hats. I hope you enjoyed. <laughs> okay. Pigeons, Tiny Hats. Okay. So that's now a thing that's been on our podcast. <laughs> yes. We had a, a bear eating ice cream. Pigeons and tiny hats. Pigeons and tiny hats. <laughs> All right. Oh, and conspiracy seagulls. Can't forget them. Yes, conspiracy seagulls. <laughs> <laughs> oh my word. Oh, I like it. Yeah, it, it, it's a, it's funny, but you know, and a little concerning for the pigeons. Like, yeah, but they're also yeah pigeons. Some of those things you're like, oh, and then you're like, oh, but are they okay? <laughs> yeah, so my, here's my initial reaction. It's like, oh my God, that is so adorable. Then all oh, those poor pigeons. Then wait, they're pigeons. Never mind. <laughs> well, apparently there's like a, an entire group. Actually, I think there's like two or three different groups that are like working on this that are all like for pigeon preservation and elevating pigeon status. I don't know. Apparently a bunch of people are really into pigeons. I, don't uh, I mean, I, I don't doubt that and it's just like for the most part I, i'm not one to advocate animal cruelty in any way shape or form but it's just kind of like they're pigeons they're i know they're they're the you know rats of the sky <laughs> for like i mean and they do a lot more than that and obviously they actually are kind of good for cities ecosystems believe it or not but it's just still like there's so many of them Anyways, so many and so gross. <laughs> yeah, so that that that's just my thought process as it went through. It was like, yay! So, so like, oh, and then, oh, then, <laughs> eh, <laughs> then, eh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, at least it has brought a lot of awareness to pigeons. Yes, <laughs> there's the silver lining. But anyway, that's all my segments for the day. Is there anything else you'd like to add to our let's play a game sort of? Podcast. Yeah, uh, the last thing that I want to add for all you listeners out there is straight up, no means no. Do not play these games. <laughs> do not do it. It is not worth it. But if you do send us an email. But if you do send us an email. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of my last little bit I want to leave you guys with because, yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us on this awesome games episode. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but yeah, just like always, you guys can find us on all social media platforms at The Otter Limits. And you can find us on our website at theotterlimits.com and our obligatory outro stuff. And lastly, you can also, as we mentioned earlier, if you're going to send us an email, you can send that to theotterlimits at gmail.com. Yes. <laughs> and we would love to read through it. We really, really, really want to do another. This just in episode. This just in episode. We just haven't gotten enough stories in order to do it. And thank you to those who have already sent in things. We are trying to get to it as soon as we get enough. Yes. As soon as we get a couple more stories, we'll be able to do another episode. So if you haven't sent one in, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You are Yes. Nectar of the gods for sending that in for us. <laughs> and we will, we promise you, read it. It gets to the point where we just like keep waiting and we haven't heard from anyone else in too long. We'll probably just like figure out a way to do a mini episode or something. Yes. So that way your guys' stories get read. Just for you guys. But in the meantime, if you have a story, don't be shy. We love you. Send it our way. We don't judge here. Mm -mm. 
do it. <laughs> okay. There are some things we will judge on, but it has nothing to do with your story. It'll be all in, in good humor. We promise. <laughs> yes. All right. So on that note, I guess we will see you later, you little monsters. We'll see you on the Otter side. It has been a transmission from the Otter Limits. Do not forget to like, comment, subscribe, or review for more tales of suspense. Long ago there were three pigs, little handsome piggy wigs. For the big, bad, buddy, big, buddy, bad wolf, they didn't. And this is now tentacle porn. Wait, how did you what?